We have just now kind of entered into the headspace of thinking about Thanksgiving because this past week in the Cloud family was a very, very busy week. We had a lot of things going on. Most notable, we had two birthdays in the Cloud household this past week. On Thursday, my daughter Abigail turned two years old. And then today, actually, my son Judah here on the front row turned six. All right. But So we've been celebrating uh, birthdays in the Cloud household. And of course, when you're little, especially, uh, birthdays are all about presents, right? Presents, presents, presents. Out of curiosity, I, I did a little digging online this week to try to figure out why do we give gifts on people's birthday? It's kind of an interesting tradition. And it really goes back to, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago, infant mortality was very, very high. And so when a person reached one year old, it was a time of celebration, simply that they'd made it to that point. That's a great reason to rejoice. But as I began to think about it a little bit more, I thought, I think it's a little more fitting, actually. It would be more fitting on a person's birthday if that person gave a gift to their mom. Right? I think that makes a little more sense. The mom did all the work, and so she should get all the credit. We've got a few applauses. We got more applauses than first service. Uh, <laughs> But I think that makes more sense because we tend to show gratitude towards people who have done something for us. We say thank you. We might give a thank you note or a small gift. We express our gratitude towards people in different ways. And if that is true on a human level, it should be all the more true when we think about all that God has given to us. How much more true should it be for us as believers to show our gratitude to God for all that he has done for us? Because again, he is the one who has done all the work. All we have, all we have really is evidence of God's grace in our lives. The very life and breath, the very intelligence we have is a gift of God given to us. And there's no better way for us to show our thanks to God than by giving a portion of what we have back to him. And that's what I want us to talk about together this morning. I want you to open your Bible up to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, as we pause our series in the Gospel of Mark and as we focus in on this Thanksgiving holiday, what I want us to see this morning is that in the Bible, there is a connection between our thanks and our giving. There's a connection between our thanks and our giving. And God's desire for us is to give and to be a generous people, to give and be generous towards that which we are thankful. There's a corresponding relationship between our thanks and our giving. And so obviously, just a heads up, we're going to talk about money today. We're going to talk about giving, the importance of giving. I know sometimes that can be awkward and uncomfortable uh, in a church, but the Bible talks about it, and so we will too. Again, open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and there in your bulletin, you should have received an outline 
as well. We can see two things we're going to look at here in this shortened sermon this morning. First, we're going to see the basis for our thanksgiving. The basis for our thanksgiving. And then number two, we're going to see the benefits of our thanksgiving. So grab your Bible. Let's take a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 9. First, let's look at verse 6. Paul says, Now this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows, notice, bountifully will also reap bountifully. Let's pause right here and at first simply notice the agricultural imagery that Paul is using here. Paul is using all kinds of language of sowing and reaping, of being sparingly or bountifully. Paul uses this agricultural imagery that for the people in Corinth during this time, they were very familiar with it. They're very familiar with the principles of an agricultural economy. Planting and harvesting were common everyday tasks. But it did take some wisdom to know exactly how much seed to sow and how much seed to save and to eat off of for the year. And so wise farmers had to know and use wisdom how much seed to sow and put back in the ground versus how much seed to save and to eat on. But the principle is basically this. Notice again verse 6. The more you sow, the more you will reap at the harvest time. Inversely, the less you sow, the less you will reap at the harvest time. Now this makes sense to us, but I want to introduce you to a little piece of background that I think is going on in the text. Because there in the city of Corinth, there was a famous area called the Acro-Corinth. And there in the Acro-Corinth, many, many, many Greek and Roman gods were worshipped. And one in particular there, I think, is highlighting here in the background, one in the, uh, uh, an individual who was worshipped there in Corinth, in the Acro-Corinth, is the goddess Demeter or Ceres, like we get the name Cereal. But Demeter or Ceres was worshipped there in the Acro-Corinth, and Demeter or Ceres was the goddess of agriculture. She was the goddess of the harvest. And as a form of worship to Demeter or to Ceres, the people there in Corinth would offer as a sacrifice, as an offering to Demeter, to Ceres, a portion of their first fruits from the harvest. And so all of this, I think, is going on in the background of the book of 2 Corinthians, but what Paul is doing is he's using this same imagery to advance the idea that the Lord, not Demeter, not Ceres, but the Lord is the one, who, one true God. And the Lord is the one who generously supplies all that they need, sun and rain and seed and soil, to have an abundant harvest. Paul is emphasizing the fact that it's the Lord, not Demeter, who controls the harvest. And Paul is saying this, by the way, as an encouragement to the church there in Corinth to take up an offering 
in order to support the Jewish church in the city of Jerusalem. He's encouraging the church there in Corinth to give. And when it comes to giving, a question many people ask is, well, how much should I give? How much should I give? You look in the Old Testament, the Jews were required to tithe, but a great question is, well, what about us? We're not Israel, we're not in the Old Testament, what about us? Is there a certain percentage or amount that we're supposed to give? And to answer that question, I want you to look at verse 7. Paul says, each one must do just as he has purposed in his heart, not grudgingly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. When it comes to the question of giving and the amount of giving, I want you to notice what Paul says here in 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Notice, God loves not the size or the percentage of the gift, but what does Paul highlight here? Each person must give as he has purposed in his heart. That tells us our gifts should be intentional, should be planned, and it's purposed. Paul also says we should not give grudgingly or out of obligation. But the inverse is we should give with sincerity. We should give because we want to. That's similar to the the next idea, Paul says, we should not give under compulsion, but we should give willingly. Then finally, notice what Paul says, God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, when we give, we should give with a joyful giver attitude. In other words, I think the question, how much should I give, is the wrong question. Rather, the better question is, with what attitude and what heart should I give? And that is what God cares most about. This reminds me of a story I heard a number of years ago about Billy Graham. Billy Graham and his wife Ruth were visiting a church, and as the offering plate came around, Billy Graham reached into his pocket thinking he had a $1 bill in his pocket. He, he threw it in the offering plate as it came around, and much to his shock, it wasn't a $1 bill, it was a $50 bill. But of course, Billy Graham couldn't reach back in the offering plate, right, and, and take money and put it in his pocket, and so he just let the offering plate pass by. But after church, he told his wife, Ruth, he said, listen, uh, I gave $50 to the Lord today, but at least I'll be rewarded for it. And Ruth said, no, God is going to credit you with $1 because that's what you really meant to give. <laughs> but God cares about our intention. He cares about our heart. And here in 2 Corinthians, Paul is providing the basis for our giving. So having established the basis of our giving, now Paul shifts to the idea of the benefits of our giving. This is number two on your outline. And quickly, we're just going to look at a few benefits for our giving when we give. We see individual benefits. There are blessings to us individually. There are blessings communally to the, the church and then there are blessings doxologically, or in other words, God uh, is the recipient in our gift. But first, let's take a look at the individual benefits of our giving. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 8 through 11. Paul says, And God is able to make all grace abound to you, 
So that always having all sufficiency in everything, notice the superlatives there, you may have an abundance for every good deed. As it is written, he scattered abroad, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in everything for all liberality, which through us is producing a thanksgiving to God. Now, the first thing I want you to notice here in these verses is, again, notice the emphasis Paul has. All grace, all ways, sufficiency in everything, in abundance. Notice all of the words where Paul is just piling on and on this idea of abundance. But I also want to issue you a caution here. A misunderstanding of the text that many popular health and wellness prosperity preachers try to advocate this idea that the more you give, the more God is then in obligation to give you back in return. If you give me $1,000, then God will bless you with 5000 in return or something. That's not what Paul is saying here. One commentator I read this week says, no, God himself chooses the currency of the return. There is a return that's promised here, a blessing as you give. But God and God alone is the one who determines the currency of that return. But again, a couple of things I do want you to notice here positively in the text. Again, number one is the words abound and abundance and all and everything that Paul emphasizes here. He's highlighting the fact that, that God is sufficient. God is sufficient to meet your needs individually as you give and help meet the needs of the community. God's grace abounds to you, Paul says, so that you can abound in every good deed. Another thing I want you to notice here is that because of this, Paul is writing to encourage people to freely scatter. He highlights the fact that God generously provides to us both seed and bread. And so because of God's gracious provision to us, we should be gracious in our giving to others. The sense really of the text seems to be that if we're willing to give, God will make it possible for us to give. And there will be great blessing for us in return. So these are some of the individual benefits of giving. Now let's take a look at the communal benefits to giving. Let's take a look at verses 12 through 14. Paul says, For the ministry of this service, this offering, this giving, is not only fully supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing through many thanksgivings to God. Because of the proof given by this ministry, they, those Jewish believers in Jerusalem, they will glorify God for your obedience to your confession of the gospel of Christ and for the liberality of your contribution to them, to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem, and to all. While they also, by prayer on your behalf, yearn for you, because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Now, as we think about the communal benefits to giving, here in 2 Corinthians, I want you to keep in mind the background. 
Like I said earlier, in the background here, Paul is encouraging these Gentile believers in Corinth to take up an offering that will then be passed on to the Jewish believers in Jerusalem. And what Paul is doing here in these verses is he's highlighting the communal blessings between these two groups of people that normally were adversarious towards one another. But the Jew-Gentile relationship is really at the heart of what Paul is saying. And so notice what Paul says. First, he says that this Jew-Gentile relationship will be improved through this financial gift, that the Jews there in Jerusalem will see this gift, notice, as proof. Paul uses the word proof. This gift will be proof of the Corinthian Gentiles' love for the church in Jerusalem. When we give, it's proof of our love. The second thing Paul highlights here is that in return for the gift, those Jewish believers in Jerusalem would respond by praying for those Gentile believers in Corinth. That's verse 14. While they also, by prayer on your behalf. The third thing I want you to notice here, also there in verse 14, is that the Jewish believers there in Jerusalem would yearn Paul says, for you, the church in Corinth, because of the grace of God in you. That word for yearn, I think, expresses a desire for these Jews and Gentiles to have a face-to-face -face fellowship with one another. And this is a remarkable thing in this context where Jew and Gentile typically did not get along. Now the Jewish believers would yearn for a fellowship with those Gentile believers. So again, Paul is highlighting here the, not just the individual benefits of giving, but now the communal benefits of giving. And finally, he also highlights the doxological benefits of giving. Notice verse 15. Paul ends this section by saying there in verse 15, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. The word thanks there in verse 15 is the word grace. Grace be to God for his indescribable gift. Where Paul is ultimately taking this is he's trying to show the believers there in Corinth that they are to bestow a gift of grace, a grace gift to God as a form of worship in response to God's indescribable gift to them in the salvation they have in Jesus. Because of all that God and Jesus has done for them, they are called to respond by offering a gift ultimately to the Lord. What I want you to see here again is there's a connection between our thanks and our giving. There's a connection between our thanks and our giving even today. I want to take a moment and, and back up for just a minute. It's been a long-standing tradition of Grace Bible Church. When we talk about giving, we talk about money, it's an important thing, an important form of worship. But it's historically been part of Grace Bible Church's history that if you're not a Christian, uh, we're not asking you to give. 
we're not asking you to give towards this church or any other ministry if, if you're not a believer. The only thing we would ask of you is that you would consider the, the claim of the gospel, of God's word, and of who Jesus is. That if you've not put your faith in Jesus, the best thing you could do is to offer your faith to him, to believe in the sacrifice of Jesus on your behalf, on our behalf. And if you've never done that here in this room or those of you watching online, I would encourage you to, to put your faith in Jesus. But if you are a believer, if you have put your faith in Jesus, again, what I want you to see here in the text is this connection between our thanks and our giving. We give towards that which we are thankful. And for the, the church there in Corinth, again, the background there was this idea of Demeter and Ceres. And they wrongly thought there in that pagan culture of Corinth that everything they had ultimately was a gift of Demeter from Ceres. And Paul is setting that aside and reminding the Corinthian believers that no, what you have is not from Demeter, not from Ceres, but it's from the Lord. Now, for you and I, we don't typically bow our knee to a goddess like Demeter or Ceres. We don't think that all we have comes from her. Instead, what we often do is we believe wrongly that all we have ultimately comes from ourselves. That I've acquired whatever I have because of my own hard work. And sometimes we forget as believers that the only reason we have the ability to work hard because God himself has given us the life and the breath and the opportunity that we have. And so we need to be reminded ultimately that everything we have comes from him. There's a connection again between our thanks and our giving. Now, as you know, we're now uh, nearing the end of November and we're approaching this time of year where churches and ministries um, remind you of our end of year approaching. And I do want to take a moment to do that. I'm going to go out on a limb here and assume that you're grateful for Grace Bible Church. And historically, this church has always been so faithful in giving. And this year, you went above and beyond in giving towards our capital campaign. I want to thank you for that. You gave $5,000 for this student fundraiser. Thank you for that. And also, as we approach this time of year, as we approached our year end, we ask that you remember grace in your giving. Uh, it's amazing. Last year, 40% of all the gifts that came in came in the months of November and December. 40% of all the money that came in last year came in the months of November and December. And historically, uh, Grace Bible Church, you give a lot in these last weeks and months. And this year, we're praying and asking for you to do the same. And so giving to grace is one tangible way we can connect our thanks and our giving. There on the back side of your outline, I've given you some application questions to consider. But that's your one, my one ask for you. Again, I don't want you to give. Again, looking back at verse 7, I want you to give as you purpose in your heart. I don't want you to give grudgingly or under compulsion. But I want you to give as a cheerful giver, as an expression of our thanks to God for his work in our life and in our church. But I do love Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving was a day, historically, that was set aside to give thanks to God for the blessings of the harvest and the blessings throughout the year. And for us, let this Thanksgiving be a great holiday that we set aside 
to thank God for his blessings in our lives. Let's connect once again our thanks and our giving. Would you pray with me? Father, in truth, we have nothing apart from your grace to us. We have nothing that we can truly call our own. All that we have, all that we are, is yours. And so teach us, Father, to treasure Jesus above all things. Give us a generous spirit. And let us love well in our giving, even as you, O oh Father, have loved us well by giving us all things in Christ. And as we give, I pray that you would train our hearts toward a greater generosity, that the habits of our stewardship would be ever more pleasing to you, Father, Son, and Spirit. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.